What's up, y'all? This is Paul T. Johnson, and you're listening to That Won't Preach. This podcast was created to proclaim the message of the gospel in an uncompromising and unapologetic way. Jesus Christ is currently, right now, delivering his people from the dominion of darkness and leading us into his marvelous light so that we can love him boldly and preach him passionately. You can check out my website, paultjohnson.org, for more resources. And please don't forget to subscribe, like, and rate this podcast so you can help us get the good news out there to those who need it. All right, thank you for joining me on today's episode, Deception Part 3. I originally thought this would be two parts, but the Holy Spirit has compelled me to expose deception for at least one more week So I'm going to be faithful to do that. The response to these episodes on deception has been both sobering and encouraging. So thank you to those who've written reviews or contacted our ministry. Now let's get after it and continue dismantling deception so we can live in the light of God's truth. I'm launching today from 2 Timothy 3, where Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, prophesies to Timothy about what the last days will look like. He illuminates some really important deception that will capture and subdue people. So let's look at 2 Timothy 3. I'll start in verse 1. But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness although they have denied its power, avoid such men as these." For among them are those who enter into households and captivate weak women, weighed down with sins, led on by various impulses, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Difficult times will come, he says in verse 1. Realize this, friends, in the last days, difficult times will come. Are you prepared for difficult times? Are you ready for what God himself says is coming? Are you ready for difficulty? I don't mean food supplies and 30 days of medicine and cases of water stacked so high they touch the ceiling. Oh, and don't forget your toilet paper because everybody's freaking out again. I'm not talking about material things. I'm asking Are you spiritually ready for what is on the horizon? The scripture is prophesying to us that difficult times will come in the last days. And I believe these are the last days. And if you want to argue with me, we can at least agree on this. These are you and I, our last days. We don't get any more. We are running out of time. Every day that we wake up, we're one day closer to death. It's knocking on all of our hearts. We are going to die. So these are our last days. They're your last days. And difficulty is coming. But through this perspective, 
We should welcome difficult times because they prepare us for the return of Christ Jesus. See, difficulty comes with the territory. The darker the darkness gets, the brighter the true light of Jesus will shine. When we embrace that difficulty is a part of the package, and in Acts they were telling them that we must inherit the kingdom of God through many tribulations, through trial is how we inherit the kingdom, then we say, difficult times, bring it on, because I'm ready, because whatever God allows or throws my way, I know he's going to get me through it and see me through. What if the Lord right now is looking for voices and people who would be bold messengers, who would stand up against darkness and deception and be a voice of light and clarity and truth and sanity that we're not afraid of difficulty. We're not running and hiding in caves and trying to just pass the time. We are boldly standing in the face of the tide of darkness and declaring the light of the truth of Jesus Christ because we understand that this is a part of what takes place before the return of Jesus happens. So actually, call me crazy, but as things get darker and darker, my spirit gets more excited because I understand that there is an inevitable clash of kingdoms, that light and darkness are getting closer and closer to a heavyweight title fight collision, and I am on the winning team because I am covered in the blood of Jesus Christ, who is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. He has the name that is above every other name. He cannot be conquered. He's never been defeated. He will always reign forever and I am his and he is mine. So bring on the darkness. Yes, difficult days will come, but I am not afraid. I cannot be intimidated by the enemy because I have this hope in Jesus Christ that is an anchor for my soul. So difficult times are coming. And in verse two, the very first thing he starts with, this is interesting. You just heard the list of things that Paul is writing out, describing difficult times are coming. Here's what it looks like. The very first thing he starts with is men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving. He goes on and on, but he starts with, they will be lovers of self, loving themselves, loving to hear themselves talk, loving their own ideas, loving, loving, loving themselves. When God calls us through the gospel to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, this is why I say so long as you think that the key to happiness is doing more for yourself, you will always be miserable. It's when we lay our life down for the sake of the gospel and we consider knowing Christ Jesus as the utmost value and treasure and we forsake all that the world has to offer, that's where true pleasure and lasting joy begins to flood our hearts and our minds. But this a declaration that people will be lovers of self is powerful because right now we live in a time and a generation where people are obsessed with themselves. 
they can't get enough of themselves. There is so much self-consciousness. It's on steroids. It's everywhere. Think about yourself. Look at yourself. Examine yourself in the mirror. Think about everything you don't like. Self, self, self. And while you're at it, get your phone out and take another selfie because it's all about you and look at me and I'm going to put this online so that I can figure out who likes me and someone can tell me that I'm valuable or I'm beautiful or I'm important because I have no idea who I am and my selfies are a cover for my insecurities. No, don't be a lover of self. Be a lover of God. Next is lovers of money. Money will corrupt your heart if you don't keep it in the right place. I write in my book, Fight the Good Fight, that you will either worship money or worship God with your money. But either way, you will worship. You and I were created to love and to worship. It is programmed into us, hardwired into our DNA by the God who made us. We are worshipers. And part of loving yourself is loving money. But when you love God, you end up seeing money as a tool to advance the kingdom where you're not afraid of it and you know how to steward it well and use it to fund the kingdom of God and be a blessing to other people and those in need because you don't love yourself. You love God first and foremost, and then you do accept the love of the Father over your life. But this declaration here is important that in the last days, difficult times will come. Men and women will be lovers of self. God, through the gospel, calls you and I to deny ourselves, take up our cross. When was the last time you served, you gave, you loved, you put it out there for the benefit and blessing of another person, and you didn't need anybody to know, and you didn't expect anything in return? This is what it looks like to follow Jesus and surrender to the Lord. If you jump down to verse 12 of 2 Timothy 3, is it any wonder that with all this going on, all this selfishness, they're holding to a form of godliness, although they've denied its power, they're lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, they're treacherous. This is just a a crazy convicting list. Verse 12, he says, indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Is it any wonder that we're going to be persecuted because this is a collision of who is for the Lord and who is not? If you are loving yourself and trying to love Jesus, no, you need to let Jesus love you. You don't need to love you anymore. We're broken, messed up. No, the truth of God begins to work in us that the Father loves me. I I don't need to hate myself. I need to humble myself before the Lord, receive his love, and then get liberated to advance the gospel and the kingdom and start walking out my God-given destiny because I believe by faith that his purposes and plans for my life are far better, far more satisfying than anything I could come up with on my own. So indeed, all who desire, it's a promise. It's a fact. All those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted because there's a clash. Persecution is part of the package if you are a Christian. We have so little of this in the West and in America specifically. 
specifically that we think persecution is random or odd or strange or not necessary or we should even avoid being persecuted when actually it's the evidence of living godly in Christ Jesus. If you're not experiencing any resistance or persecution right now, you might be lukewarm. And if you've never experienced persecution or resistance ever, you might be watering down the gospel or you might not actually be a Christian at all. Jesus said in Matthew 5, verses 11 and 12, Blessed are you when men cast insults at you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely on account of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Did you notice that Jesus said, Blessed are you when, not if people insult you or persecute you or say all kinds of evil against you falsely. False accusation is painful, but it's a part of the persecution package that comes with living in the light and being the salt of the earth when you are insulted. Not if you are. See, we should not avoid persecution. We should embrace it that it comes with the territory of living for the Lord and doing it boldly and proclaiming Christ. Not everyone will hear this clearly, and I'm not suggesting that we should be a jerk to people on purpose, but we can't be cowards with the truth. We must be bold and courageous to proclaim the true gospel, whether people like it or not, whether they accept it or reject it. You don't have to take it personally because it's not you that you're representing. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting God and his message. So if we really truly believe that we were representing the Lord and we were furthering his message and his wisdom, then we would be more bold and more courageous and less afraid of rejection or ridicule because, no, this is God's gospel. This is his plan of salvation. And I'm just a faithful, humble messenger that's called to proclaim it to you. So if you go to 2 Timothy 4, listen to the first four verses of the next chapter. Paul charges Timothy In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who's to judge the living and the dead, I solemnly charge you by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires. They will turn away their ears from the truth. They will turn aside to myths. The time will come, another prophecy, when they will not endure sound doctrine. He didn't say they won't enjoy sound doctrine. He said they won't endure sound doctrine because sound doctrine conforming to godliness in Christ Jesus is by nature challenging. 
Sound doctrine is challenging because it's contrary to what we want in our sinful flesh. So he doesn't say they won't enjoy it. He says they won't endure sound doctrine. Instead, they're going to turn aside. They want their ears tickled. They want to be made to feel good all the time. So they're going to gather up for themselves teachers with their own desires that align with their own thinking and where they are spiritually, and they're going to turn away their ears from the truth. They're not going to listen. They're going to reject the truth and not as truth. They'll call it a lie. They'll call it hate speech. You fill in the blank and they're going to turn aside to miss. They're going to be completely deceived because they'll gather up for themselves teachers who tell them what their itching ears want to hear. You should thank the people, the friends, even family in your life who is faithful to tell you the truth no matter what. We need to cherish the friends and people that we have in our life who will tell us the truth no matter even if they know it will hurt us because Proverbs declares faithful are the wounds of a friend but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. People that won't tell you the truth and they'll just tell you what you want to hear, those aren't your friends. Those are actually your enemies according to the word of God. So keep truth tellers and truth lovers close to you in your circle who will wound you with the truth when you need it, who will keep you accountable and hold your feet to the fire and say, let's endure the sound doctrine of the gospel together. Let's not be led astray to perversion and myths and all kinds of chaotic craziness. No, we're going to stay held fast to the head who is Jesus Christ. We're going to submit our hearts and our lives to the word of God and to healthy leadership that's going to grow us up in Christ. This is what will happen in the last days. People will not endure sound doctrine. Now, I want to give you an example of something that got me fired up, and I felt like the Lord pushed me through this to record a part three to deception. I recently, just this week, read a national news article about a young woman who calls herself a Christian who through an online subscription service sells explicit photos of herself and makes hundreds of thousands of dollars doing it. And she shares her testimony and part of her lifestyle in being a Christian at the same time she's talking about her job where she makes money selling nude photos of herself. And this woman who is clearly deceived 100% thinks she is a Christian, calls herself a believer, says she's from a Christian family. And I read some of her quotes and I, this is just gold because it captures exactly what is taking over this next generation and the perversion that is in our culture that wants to swallow us up. Listen to what she says. God will love you no matter what. That's what I was taught in my household, school, and church. I pray every single night. I pray for whatever I feel I need that day. I pray for my family, my fans, myself. Listen to this. God will love you no matter what. 
This is a perversion of the love of God and absolutely destroying God's grace and turning it into a license for sin that God is going to love me no matter what. So he doesn't have standards. He doesn't have requirements. There's actually no such thing as morality. I mean, with that thought, you can actually logically, if you track it all the way out to the end, you can eliminate good and evil, light and darkness because God's going to love you no matter what. So basically, just do whatever you want. And she closes, the article closes with her saying this. This is crazy to me. She says, and I quote, My religion has never interfered or stopped me from doing anything I've wanted to do. My religion has never interfered or stopped me from doing anything I've wanted to do. Can I tell you something? That is not Christianity. That is not the voice of someone who is a believer in Jesus Christ with the fear of the Lord operating in their heart. Your religion, quote unquote, your faith, not only is it going to prevent you from doing things, but there are going to be things that you end up doing that you never imagined you would do because Christ Jesus is alive in you. See, you know you've been born again when you begin to hate things you used to love and love things you used to hate. That is the work of the Spirit. It's evidence of a regenerated heart and a born-again life. When you begin to love things you used to hate and hate things you used to love, but instead, this woman is saying that her religion has never stopped her or interfered from her doing anything she's ever wanted to do. Listen, I plead with you. Following Jesus is a blast. There is life, abundant life, peace, and joy. There's so much much satisfaction in knowing the Lord and experiencing the love of God the Father and belonging to Him and His mercy washing over you and His grace strengthening your soul, His loving kindness just blowing your mind and His blessings humbling you. All of that is extremely real. It's evident in my own life. But if you never do anything you don't want to do, you are not following Christ. You are following yourself and you are your own God. You are a lover of self. You are a lover of pleasure rather than God. Part of what it means to follow Jesus Christ is to take up your cross, get crucified with him that the life of Jesus might be manifested in you and seen through you so that people who are confused and broken and lost see someone, a man or a mighty woman, who is on fire, on track, devoted, consistent, and confident, not wavering to the left or to the right, where you have conviction deep down inside of your soul because truth is your foundation, because you're building a upon the rock-solid foundation of Jesus Christ, his life, his words, and you're not building upon the sand of culture and popular opinion, I encourage you, friends, build your life upon the rock, the foundation of Jesus Christ. In him is all we could ever want or need. He is the way, the truth, and the life. There are no other options or avenues that will get you to heaven. Do not be deceived in this hour. Embrace the truth of the gospel. 
if you read something in the Word of God that you don't like or you don't agree with, you and I are wrong and we need to repent and embrace the thoughts and the wisdom of God and not argue with Him any longer. Jesus is worthy and the hour is short. Thank you so much for listening to That Won't Preach, another great episode here, Deception Part 3. I pray the Lord would open your eyes and your ears to see Him, to know Him, to hear His voice, and to walk with Him. Please like this podcast, rate it, and subscribe. Would you do me a favor? Tell a friend or a coworker, a family member, someone who needs the truth of the gospel, maybe someone who's living a lifestyle of sin or deception or lukewarmness, maybe challenge them with some of what's shared here in these last three parts about deception, and God would use it to open their eyes and break them free from the bondage of darkness so that we can live a pure and holy lifestyle because Jesus is soon coming back and we are running out of time. You can also check out my website, paultjohnson.org, and you can subscribe there as well. God bless you. Let's attack deception, expose the works of the devil, and destroy them that Jesus Christ might be glorified and that he would get all the credit and be seen as the light of the world through our lives.